Welcome to the Beamsville Church of Christ online ministry. This week's message is titled Romans. It's the first in a series about the New Testament epistles. Thank you to Jeff, Tim, Don, Jim, and Ed for being part of the video. The scripture reading is Romans 6, 1 to 6. Good morning. Welcome. <clears throat> it's February. <laughs> you know that if you've been chipping ice lately, haven't you? Um, and Monday is supposed to be more freezing rain, if you hadn't heard the news. So somebody uh, with a pithy idea came up with the idea or the the name sad for seasonally affective disorder um, sometimes February feels like a sad time of year because the days are so short and it's so dark and you just wish it would be spring today Donnie is going to talk about <clears throat> letters to churches encouragement sent to young churches that needed help. What if God wrote an encouragement letter to you for this time of year? I'm going to read from Psalm 147 as we begin. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Is that where you're at right now? But listen to what it goes on to say. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. Spring is indeed on its way. And I encourage you to take encouragement from words like this uh, from the Psalms. This morning... <clears throat> Uh, we'll take a look at the announcements first. That's all right. Uh, we have some birthdays. Tim, oh, he's not hiding very badly. Are you revealing? I'm here. <laughs> Apparently he's not revealing. Tim is just old. <laughs> Martin? He's not, a, he's not admitting either, apparently. And Jim? No, they're all closed mouth today. Anyway, happy birthday to all you guys. <clears throat> Prayer requests. Uh, I did not get any special ones. Uh, we need to remember, especially the people who uh, are recovering from surgeries and illness. Oh, I didn't see our newly retired lady over here earlier. <laughs> It's been a long time for you. Janet, you... Oh, that's a good point. Ruth Zimmerman 
is headed back uh, through a long, circuitous route to Papua New Guinea, but she leaves on Tuesday after being here for about six months. So hopefully she's uh, well-rested and prepared because I know she's got a lot of work when she gets back. All right, let's go to God in prayer as we begin. Father, today we see the sunshine outside and we celebrate. Uh, <clears throat> we know that you control things, that uh, you are in charge of the way that the earth works. And sometimes we get uh, sad or depressed uh, during the winter, but we know that it is a time of renewal and rest for the earth. Even your earth needs needs time to recover. Thank you, Father, uh, that you are always there, uh, that you will bring warm winds uh, and the waters will run and the earth will burst back into flower. Father, there are several of our numbers who've uh, undergone surgeries recently. Um, we pray for them, uh, for Len and for Mike and for Pam uh, in their recuperation. Father, give them uh, strength, not only of body, but also uh, of heart to know that like the earth, you look down upon them and better times are ahead. Father, we, uh, we praise you. Uh, we sing shouts of joy as they did as they approached Zion for the son of your love. And this morning, Father, uh, may we rejoice in his love for us. In his name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I appreciate, or I imagine, that <laughs> when I stand up here, uh, you'll forgive me if I go on a little tangent now and then. Um, maybe I'm just imagining it, but um, anyway. <laughs> this week I was watching a movie, and in the movie the, uh, the main actor was describing a situation about... Uh, a car accident and he had been he was out of town and his wife had this car accident and when he got the call from the hospital he understood that his wife and son had died in the car accident and of course he was filled with guilt and sorrow and pain it was just terrible he was a great actor so you got to picture this it was he was just all as just describing it years later, he was all <sighs> such sorrow. But then when he got to the hospital, he discovered his wife had died, but his son was fine. And then he had this terrible conflict. Still, the pain and sorrow and guilt for not being there as his wife was dying, but then the joy at the same time, in the same body, in the same heart, the joy and the relief and the gladness that the son was alive. And years later, he's still trying to reconcile this, these two feelings, these two emotions in, inside at the same time. The pain and the joy in one event 
and one body and one heart. Anyway, it got me thinking about emotions and feelings. I might come back to that example in a minute, but um, when men talk about emotions and feelings, they often make fun of, have to make light of it a little bit. So here goes. Um, I want you to picture a, a, a cartoon character, maybe Donald Duck or Mickey Mouse or somebody, and maybe you've seen this or maybe you have to imagine it, but think about, and, and for me it's uh, maybe Mickey Mouse or Pepe Le Pew or anybody remember Pepe Le Pew? <laughs> anyway, when they're so in love, you can see the little hearts in their eyes and you can hear their heart beating. Do you ever remember that or you can imagine that where that it, the emotions are being manifest into something that is actually almost physical, almost touchable, right? Or on the opposite side, think about the superhero or supervillain who gets so angry that laser beams come out of his eyes and those laser beams can make things burn or explode. The emotions that Hollywood tries to show us somehow can be come out in, in, in a physical, touchable, smellable way. Hollywood tries to convince us. So I was thinking about the day that Jesus died and the emotions and feelings that must have been going on in Jerusalem on that day. There's the, the Romans who are proud and, and arrogant and relieved. Oh, this guy didn't turn out to be anything after all, right? Yeah, we got him. There he is. Ha <laughs> ha. Triumphant Romans. But then Pilate, who's like, he's an innocent man. And his wife's nagging him. Leave him alone. But the political right thing to do, uh, get rid of him. Pilate's got some real emotions going on. What about the followers, Jesus' own followers? His followers are like, we followed this guy for three years. We trusted him. We believed him. He goes and gets himself killed. Imagine their disappointment, sorrow. Sorrow for their own lack of judgment. Oh, we trusted this guy. And he's dead. He thought he, he said he was going to make things different. Imagine the, the feelings and the emotions going on within them. Or we could go more specific. What about Peter? Oh. What about Judas? Emotional overflow. He kills himself. And then, you know, the whole city's in this uproar with all these things happening. The Jews, the leaders of the Jews, they knew. Nicodemus came and said, we know that you're from God because nobody can do what you're doing unless they're from God. The Jews knew, but Caiaphas said, it's better for one man to die than for the whole country to suffer, right? Caiaphas, high priest, made the decision. Man. Let one guy die, it's better. Even all that turmoil in the city, and we rise up a little bit, and there's Jesus looking down, calm. He sees his mother, 
I'm going to take care of you. He looks over the crowd. He says, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The calm one in all the, the city, right there in the focal the, on the cross. We rise up a little bit further and we look at it through God's eyes. And imagine, we just sang about the wrath of God satisfied. Did you catch that? I don't know if you, if you caught it in that last song. The wrath of God. You know what wrath is? Super anger. Go back to that superhero with the laser eyes. God was so angry. He had to turn away. He couldn't watch. I imagine the laser beams coming down and just burning up the city. When God gets angry, it's not a pretty thing. Remember he told Moses? Moses, stand aside. I'm going to wipe out that whole nation. When God gets angry, it could be pretty serious. But here's Jesus dying on the cross. God has to look away. He's so angry. Not at the people, but at sin itself. Sin had done such a, such a terrible thing. But in the same God, in the same spirit, in his same heart, he's looking down and he's saying, this is my son who I love. There's the anger and the love at the same time. As Christians, we try to look at things through God's eyes, see what he would like, see what he would do, see what he would think. But it's hard to imagine what he's, what he's, what's going through his mind at that time when he's looking down there and he's seeing so much love, so much pride in this sacrifice, but so much anger at the same time. I can't imagine. There's another player in this whole scheme of emotions going on. There's Satan. He's watching this. He's having a party. He's dancing. He thinks he's won. Anyway, I, I imagine the emotions where you could cut them with a knife and serve them. It's, it's just palatable, right? The feeling. And of course, all that begs the question, at this time, what's the appropriate emotion for us right now? Paul said, each one should examine himself to see if he's worthy. Does that mean I check off, oh, yeah, this week I did this, I read my Bible, I've been, I'm a good person, I can, I can partake in what, what we're about to do. There's no checklist, but I think it's your emotions. What's your emotional state right now? And may I suggest that there's two pretty strong options, left or right, up or down, very different. You can look at this remembrance of Jesus and the cross, and you can be angry at the injustice that happened, the pain and suffering that happened to our brother, our friend, our Lord. You could be really angry about that and sad, or you can have joy and delight in the fact that this was a gift from God 
The sacrifice was a beautiful gift and are causing us to have the ability to have forgiveness of our sins. God sent us a gift. It's like opening a present on Christmas morning feeling. Anger and sad. Joy. Peace. I suggest one of those. Pick one. Don't be in the middle. For what we're about to do, don't just take it and think nothing of it. Think about it. Think about your emotional state, please. Paul said, examine yourself to see whether you're worthy and ready. Are you? I'm going to pray a blessing on the, the little piece of bread and the little uh, grape juice, if you have it. When I'm finished, I'm not going to end with an amen. I'm going to end with just in Jesus' name, and I'm going to encourage you to take 30 seconds of silent prayer to... I'll shut up then, and, and we can examine ourselves as to our emotional state when we think about this sacrifice in Jesus and what, what happened. Let's pray. Our Lord and Father, thank you. Thank you for being such a wise and forgiving God. Thank you for being such a sacrificing God. You knew us before we were born. You knew that we needed this before we knew it. We pray that you would help us to organize our thoughts and our emotions and, and place the right emphasis on, on Jesus, on the sacrifice, and the memorials that we're about to take to help us think about it more. Bless us and each one who partakes. We pray all this in Jesus' name. This morning is from Romans 6, 1 through 6. What shall I say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too live a new life. For we have been united with him in death like this. 
we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we shall no longer be slaves to sin. Good morning, everyone. So happy to have you with us today. Appreciate our service today and the words that have been spoken. I want to begin today preaching a new series called The Epistles. And someone says, you mean the apostles? No, the epistles. Well, what's an epistle? Well, there are 27 books in the New Testament. 21 of them are epistles. It's a letter written to a church or a letter written to an individual, and it was always encouragement to have greater and stronger faith. And so I want to begin today, we're going to be concentrating on the book of Romans, and for the next several weeks, we're going to be moving forward. Now someone says, well, wait a minute, what about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Well, they're not epistles, they're called the Gospels. And then the book of Acts is a separate category unto itself. Revelation is a separate book unto itself. So we're going to be looking at these 21 epistles. I want to begin reading in Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul, who later becomes the apostle Paul, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues, Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, meaning Christians, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, and you got to picture this, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And I have to picture that in my mind. What would that be like? He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, and he says it again, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul says, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Amazing. And so he says, now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. Then men traveling from with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. This is a, an amazing story. And so they led him into Damascus. He was blind for three days, didn't eat anything. And in Damascus, there was a disciple by the name of Ananias. And the Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas, not Judas Iscariot, who lives on Straight Street. I always thought that was an interesting name. And ask for a man from Tarsus. His name is Saul, for he is praying. Really, really interesting. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord Ananias said, ah, and I think he's saying this kind of 
sheepishly. Uh, I've heard many reports about this guy by the name of Paul. He's done a lot of bad stuff. That's not exactly what it reads, but that's basically what he's saying, right? And Ananias says, no. Go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he'll have to suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, and placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again, and he got up, and he was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. And passing time now, and then verse 22, yet Saul, Paul, grew more and more powerful, and he baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. So this man who was opposed to the Messiah now becomes a great believer of the Messiah. And then Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly. So there's the beginning of this man, Paul, who writes the majority of the New Testament. And so what I'm going to do today is just skip along rather quickly and just mention some of these things that Paul was always encouraged. In the book of Romans, it is an absolutely powerful book. It's not the easiest book to comprehend when we talk about justification and sanctification and what all those words mean. But the fundamental point being that Paul was going to give his life for the Lord any way he could. And so he begins this marvelous book in Romans. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Set apart for the gospel of God. I couldn't sleep very well last night because I read that. He was set apart for the gospel of God. And I think that what that really means is you and I are set apart for the gospel of God. It's one thing to hear somebody set apart for the gospel of God. But for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, we are set apart for the gospel of God. We invite everyone to come to the house of the Lord to feel and to be part of the gospel of Jesus Christ, set apart. It's a profound book to the point of, and I'm not sure what your experience have been, but how about verse 16 of Romans chapter 1? I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation. I'm just not ashamed of this gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation. So here Paul is writing to this church at Rome, this great metropolis, and he's declaring forth the word of God in a powerful way. 
Well, I'm not sure what your experience has been in a variety of churches over the years. There have always been church arguments. They usually peter out after a while, but before they peter out, they can cause a lot of controversy. And one of the unique things about these epistles that we're going to read is controversy. Well, I, I think this. Well, I think that. Well, my way's better than your way. Well, and all the way through it, and it kind of lessens it lessens, it waters down the presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so in Romans, he's saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God that brings salvation. And nothing is going to stop it. Yes, there will be controversies in the church. And some of the controversies over the years, and I don't know if you ever had too much experience with this, but many, many years ago, this was before my time, my father, who was also a minister, was part of a church where the only Bible you could read from was the King James Version. Anybody ever had that experience? And then after a while, we started to say, well, I don't really understand the thous and the those and the dusts and all that sort of thing. And so some wonderful new translations came in. And whatever your favorite translation, the New American Standard Bible or the NIV or whatever, is very, very helpful to help us understand this book of Romans, because Romans is not necessarily the easiest to understand. So Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation for all who believe. And so also in chapter 3, this can be a little difficult. But now apart from the law, the Ten Commandments, the righteousness of God has been made known, which the law and the prophets has testified. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ, listen, to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. For we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we're justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. Amen. And that's for all of us. And then he talks about how how we can justify all of this. And he uses the word justifies all the way through. You can't justify it. How you justify it is just say, thank you, Lord. He has given himself to us. And so as we go along in the book of Romans, again, it's not the easiest book to understand, but I'm just going to highlight a couple of these things. I want to go to chapter 5 of Romans. And he says this, Since we have been justified through our faith, we believe it, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you've ever had the experience of saying, God, I'm not good enough, or I hope I did this okay, or I'm just not measuring up, or there's self-doubt, does God really love me? Here's something that we really need to hang our hat on spiritually. We have been justified through faith, and we have Peace with God because God has given us his peace. If you ever feel uneasy, God has given us his peace. And there can't be anything greater. And we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And so in Romans chapter 5, it's kind of complicated, but I think chapter 6 is one of those wonderful chapters in the Bible. Let me just 
read this to you. The heading of my Bible in Romans chapter 6 is, we're dead to sin, but we're alive in Christ. We keep sinning, but Christ forgives us. So he says this. This is Paul writing to this wonderful church. And now, 2,000 years later, he's writing to us. Isn't that cool? So he says, so what are we going to say about all this? Shall we just go on sinning so that grace may increase? Well, you know, if God forgives me of my sins, I might as well just go all out and sin. No, no, we want to honor Christ. By no means. We are those who have died to sin, even though we still sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, and he was, through the glory of the Father, watch, watch this, we too may live a new life. Not just a new life here, but a new life that is eternal. And if we've been united with him in a death like his, he will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Isn't that remarkable? This wonderful, wonderful, loving, graceful God. And then verse 14. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you're not under the old law, where if you, even if you think a negative thing, you're in trouble. No. But we are under, listen to this, God's grace. So what's grace? It's love, it's peace, it's joy, it's security. It's this personal, loving God who gives us part of himself because he just gives it to us. Now, I went on Google the other day and just asked, what's the most familiar passage that most people like to study from? And there were a variety of answers. But you know the majority was Romans chapter 8. People love Romans chapter 8. And here's a couple of verses, I think, as to why. Where he says this. We're not controlled by the sinful nature anymore, but we're controlled by the Spirit. So verse 9 of chapter 8 says, You, however, are not controlled by a sinful nature, but are in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And the Spirit of God does live in us. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. But if in Christ in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Holy Spirit gives life because of righteousness. God's Holy Spirit is continually pouring more and more of Christ's presence in our lives. Forget the doubt. You know where the doubt comes from. It's not from above. It's from Satan wanting grab, grabbing control. But we must always remember, we have a promise and a presence of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit living in us. Not around us, living in us, encouraging us, helping us, and it's a powerful understanding. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, 
he who raised Christ from the dead, listen, will also give life to your bodies because of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And if you didn't know that you have the Holy Spirit who lives in you, why don't you introduce yourself to him? He's there. He's always been there. So verse 14 says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So Paul gets even deeper and deeper, and he talks about suffering. And for all of us, there are times when we've suffered. But he also talks about our future glory. And I kind of get the idea that if God promises us something, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And so he says this, I consider that our present sufferings, and the sufferings were because they were being persecuted as Christians, are not worth comparing with the glory, listen, that will be revealed in us, a future glory inside of each one of us. Creation itself waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. In other words, we want to know what that's like, and we will someday. For the creation itself was subjected to frustration, but later it's been changed because we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. But not only we ourselves, but we who have the first fruits of God's Holy Spirit. And in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we are weak, there is a strong heavenly advocate doing his work in our life. That's the Holy Spirit. We often don't realize that we're never alone. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the presence of Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God living in us each and every day. So I challenge you today. I challenge you that before you go to sleep tonight, you remember, boy, God lives in me. God loves me, but he lives in me. You are never alone. You don't have to justify. God gives himself amazingly, wonderfully to ourselves. So this book of Romans is just kind of a powerful book. Romans chapter 10 is not often read, but I'll just read a couple of things from there. Romans chapter 10. For there's no difference between a Jew or a Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. There's a promise from God right there. He richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on God lately? We were always asking him for things. But have you called on him recently? Have you chatted with him? Can you experience the presence of God in your life, dialoguing back and forth with one another? And so he talks about believing it. How, how can they call on the one they don't believe in? 
we have to believe in him. And how can they believe if the one whom they haven't heard about? So no, Jesus Christ, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Jesus Christ. And then Paul, <laughs> he just does something unique. He's writing, he's, I picture him in a room writing and writing and writing. And I, I, I see him throwing his quill into the, up into the air because he's just so excited. And he just says, he says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, exclamation point. How, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who's ever given to God that God should repay him? For from God and through God and him, all things are given to us. To him be the glory of God forever, exclamation point. And then he says, amen to himself. This is what God gives us. But then he says, you know, it's, it's important to know that God loves us and we love him, but can we put it into action? So very quickly, he says, love must be sincere. Avoid evil. Cling to what is good. And then he says this, be devoted to one another in love. So those of us who are parents remember when our first baby was born. Around the clock, we devoted ourselves to that child. And the next year we did that. And then the next year we did that. And then the next year we did that. And then pretty soon, wow, that child is an adult. Wow. And that adult has a child. And we devote ourselves to that person and that child and that grandchild and on and on. Be devoted to each other because God is devoted to us. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I am always with you. So this book of Romans is one of these books that you just go... I can't even grasp. It gives me the shivers every time I read what God is doing in our life. But realizing it's not always easy, because in chapter 14, he says, you know, there are people whose faith, they're weak, but accept those whose faith is weak. Don't quarrel over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat certain things and somebody else not. Just some Consider one day more than the other, and some don't. For we do not live to ourselves alone. That's powerful, because I think today most people do live for themselves alone. For we do not live to ourselves alone, and we do not die to ourselves alone. We don't die alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. We belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. And God promises again, I'll never forsake you. And then chapter 15, we're almost done. We who are strong 
ought to bear the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. We who are strong ought to bear the failings of the weak. Someone may come to you and have a bit of a confession. Here's what I said. Here's what I did. I know it's not right. And you can blast them all you want for it. It's not going to be helpful. It's just not going to be helpful. But what we want to do is bear with each other. Come alongside one another. Help one another. Remind that person, you are a child of God. God knew you before you were born. He knew the exact time and places in which you would live. He's never for a moment turned his back on you. Don't turn your back on him. So he finishes in chapter 16, <laughs> and he has this long list of people that we don't know. I guess we'll meet them when we get to heaven. But he talks about these wonderful women and wonderful men who are co-workers with Jesus Christ. He talks about a woman by the name of Phoebe, a deacon in the church. And I ask that you receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people, that she might be given help and need whenever it's needed. And then talks about a husband and wife team, Priscilla and Aquila, and then various other people. And then he talks about this Andronicus and Junia, fellow Jews who've been in prison with me, and they're outstanding among the apostles. And then he lists a whole bunch. And so, how do you conclude a book like that? I mean, it just goes from this to this to this to this to this, and it just keeps going higher and higher. How do you finish it? So here's what he says. Now to him who is able, listen, to establish you in accordance with the gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all Gentiles might come to faith and obedience. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. And if God promised it then, he promises it now. Earlier I read from Psalm 147, and in it it says, The Lord gathers the exiles. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. That's what we've been here for today. I received this thank you card, and I'll put it up on the bulletin board in a minute, but I thought I would read it to you, and I thought it was fitting that the particular psalm that I was reading from talked about exiles. Dear church family, we thank you for everything you did for us. Thank you for helping us repay the government for our refugee flights. Daniel and Helen and family, thank you. And they are sitting at the back along with their youngest daughter, I think. Yeah, she's still there. Uh, but uh, if you have a chance, uh, say hi to them. Let's go to God in prayer, for we are all refugees of one sort or another. Father, thank you uh, that you rescue us. Uh, thank you, as Dawn has reminded us today, that your grace is where we live. 
we celebrate this morning. We ask that it be pleasing to you because it's been pleasing to us to celebrate the son of your love, Father, to uh, break bread together, to remember that at the cross, as the song we sang said, uh, your wrath was satisfied once and for all on our behalf. Father, bless us this week that we may be a blessing to others. In Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for watching or listening. The Beamsville Church of Christ meets at 4900 John Street, Beamsville, Ontario. Scripture quotations marked NIV taken from the Holy Bible, New International Version, NIV, copyright 2011 by Biblica, Inc. Used by permission, all rights reserved worldwide. Scripture quotations marked ESV are from the ESV Bible, the Holy Bible, English Standard Version, copyright 2001 by Crossway, a publishing ministry of Good News Publishers. Used by permission, all rights reserved. You can find out more about the congregation on our Facebook page or at beamsvillechurchofchrist.ca.